Welcome to the Ignite Movements podcast, where we're equipping leaders to think beyond a one ministry mindset to a multiplication mindset. Over the course of the podcast, we've looked at how to structure your leadership. We've talked about how to lay a disciple-making foundation, how to put together engaging messages, how to crockpot your church plant. We've talked about the importance of children's and student ministries, how to go multi-site. We talked about all those different issues, and obviously all of those are extremely important. But more important than all of those issues uh, is the, are the people that you're walking on this journey with, and that's your family. And so it's so very important how your family is doing through this process. Starting churches takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of time. It can be very stressful financially. can put a lot of strain on your family. And so this issue is extremely important, and I get a lot of questions about this from young church planners. They're saying, hey, one of my number one concerns is this. How do you balance this? How do you work through this? And so how do you manage that tension and stress? How do you make sure that your family is not a casualty of of ministry, but not only not a casualty, but they thrive and they grow as well. And so we're, we're all aware of kind of the family train wreck stories that seem very so common that they're almost stereotypical in the ministry. So how do we avoid that? There seems to be sometimes this attitude that that's just the way it is. And, and I don't think that's okay. It doesn't have to be that way. So I want to th- roll through nine keys. This is, this, I'm, I'm hoping to get through this quickly for you, but I want to roll through nine things that I think are extremely important when it comes to this issue of having a strong family as a pastor. The first thing is deal with any relationship issues you have going on in your family before you start church planting or ministry. Uh, taking on a more spiritual job, so to speak, is not going to necessarily make your family better. In fact, sometimes it can just make you more of a hypocrite while your family's a disaster. So, uh, so deal with those issues. I can assure you that it will not automatically get better because you have put the word pastor in front of your name. Um, and uh, especially as you're in more and more of a fishbowl as a family. And so take the time to deal with whatever you have going on. And, um, you know, in, in, in fact, even if you feel like things are pretty good before you go into ministry, like take some time to maybe go on a couple's retreat uh, or, or something like that to, to just make things as strong as they can possibly be. Uh, and of course, dealing with things as they come up along the way. Make sure you do not let things go on. Find a couple or find a counselor outside of your church that you can connect with and you can trust that you could take even the small things to work through in your marriage uh, or in your family. And the same goes for issues that you're, you're having with your kids. Just make that your first priority going into ministry. The second thing is this. Get your finances in order before church planting or going into ministry. Finances um, can put an extraordinary pressure on, on any relationships, but especially on your family relationships. You do not want to go into church planting with financial issues. And, um, you know, trust me, again, those aren't going to get any better for quite some time when you're going into church planting, especially. I remember one of our uh, campus pastors, a new campus pastor, uh, was uh, just getting one of our campuses off the ground. We literally plant them. We just don't launch campuses. We plant them. And so it's a little different philosophy. And, um, I remember he, he got in a car accident and they totaled out his car and they gave, they gave him a, a check. And it was a, you know, it was, it was a good amount. He was happy. He was like, man, I didn't think my car was worth that. So that's good. So he said, I'm going to give a thousand dollars of that to the building fund of our new campus. And I told him, I said, man, like, I don't want to dis- discourage you from being generous. Um, I think, I think it's awesome that you want to be generous, but I just want to make you aware that Satan works through our cars. 
Like that's, <laughs> that's what he does. He works through our cars. And so I would just really encourage you buy the best car you can possibly buy with the money that they have given you. Uh, and so uh, a year and a half into church planning, uh, the reason I told him that is because I experienced that as, as we were planning our first church, I had thousands of dollars worth of things go wrong in, in my life at that point. And it just seems like church planters get tried financially and you don't want to go in with your finances a mess. If you're working with a church planning organization, more than likely they're going to require you pay off school debts and things like that before you even start uh, because they understand this principle. The third thing is this, plant your church or do ministry out of the flow of being missional as a family. This is huge. Do ministry out of the flow of being missional as a family. My family never felt like I was out planting a church. They felt like we were planting a church. Um, we, we were uh, missional as a family before we started church planting. It was who we were. Uh, we, we were on mission with other families as well. And so their friends uh, and, and, and the, uh, the, 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 their families were, weren't in vocational ministry, but they were right there alongside of us doing the same things. And so we lived life with people who were, who were missional as families. So there was nothing about, well, we're only doing this because we're the pastor's family. We're all doing this. And so if we were having uh, folks over to watch a football game and we invited somebody that we felt like maybe didn't have a relationship with Jesus, um, you know, it just, you know, for us, that was just part of, of what we did as a family. That wasn't like, I wasn't working during the football game. That was just who we were uh, as a family. When I coached kids on sports teams, um, uh, you know, the church would sponsor the t-shirts, you know, and I would say, hey, I'm, I'm a pastor. If I, I can ever help you, let me know. Uh, and uh, there I'm, I'm playing the pastor card. I get it. But still, our family saw even playing sports in park and rec leagues as opportunities to be missional as a, a family and we would have the end of, end of the season party at church and we were constantly integrating ministry into the things that we did uh, and this also helps raise kids to be leaders uh, as, as well and so uh, the fourth thing is this put the work in during the day and quit in the evening put the work in during the day and quit in the evening this schedule might not work for everyone we'll talk about that here in a second but for most of the world most of the world is working between 8 a.m and 5 p.m they're they're out working and so why why would you you know be home or you know running errands or you know that kind of thing and not getting your work done during that time so put the work in and come home and when you're home don't bring the work with you um, now there you're going to get texts from key people you're going to have a volunteer children's director that's trying to get your children's ministry off the ground while you're church planting they're going to text you at night because they work during the day and that's the only time they can work on church stuff so to speak and so you need to answer that text you don't want to leave a volunteer hanging but there, there should be a very few people and we're going to talk about that that you answer right away when you're with your family. So, you know, you're going to shoot them a quick text back or, uh, you know, if it requires more thought, you're going to shoot them a text back and say, hey, I, I need to look at some things. I'm going to I'm going to send you an email in the morning with a full response. Uh, and so just let them know, hey, I, I, I care about you. I care about the work you're putting in right now. That's going to take me a little time to look into. So they know that you're listening, you're there, you're available to them. Uh, if your family has a unique schedule, then you may have to change it up. Maybe you can't work in the kind of eight to five range. Uh, and, but I would still say this, clearly define, clearly define when you need to be working, set a regular schedule and work hard in those times and then be truly present with your family when you are not. And, and you may even have to look at your family at, the, at those times and say, look, we agreed. This is when I work, right? This is, you know, I, I have a real job and this is when I work. 
church planning is not for people who are not self-motivated hard workers. It's just not. But most of us lean more towards the working too hard. Uh, and, and so we've got to guard our time with our families. All right, the fifth thing. The fifth thing is disciple your family first. And we've kind of been around that a little bit, talking about being missional, but this is specifically like dealing with your family and leading your family spiritually. So you have to be real. They need to see that you live out what you preach. Uh, you, you need to make sure that, that you're taking time to have intentional, a ton of int intentional spiritual conversations with your family and with your kids. Uh, be as intentional about leading your family spiritually as you are the church. And I, I think this is where, like, many of us fail. It, it, it feels like that you see it as, as, as very important to help other people grow spiritually, but not your family. And if it feels like that, it's not going to work out well. And, and, and maybe, maybe this is the reason we do that, because we think to ourselves, well, my family goes to my church, right? And so everything I'm doing for my church, my family gets that as well, and that's going to grow them as well. But you need, to, you need to take that role and spend extra time making sure you're having those spiritual conversations with your family. Here's the sixth thing, and this one's kind of a big one, because this, this can get really distorted, and this is where some tension sometimes happens on staff. Help your family have a realistic view of ministry. This is tough. This is one that I see that has actually surprised me through the years because I thought that this would get better. But here's what I've noticed. I've noticed that younger families in the ministry have heard the horror stories of the past uh, of when people were out five nights a week for church and their families were stressed and their kids turned out terrible. And, and they, they, they've heard those stories. And so they come in and they've already kind of made that judgment on, on current modern day ministry that it'll kill your family. That, that, that you got to really be on guard because if any, like, oh, if my husband answers a text, uh, you know, to, you know, to his, his uh, you know, head elder or deacon, you know, at, at, at seven o'clock at night ever, then, oh, here we go. Our family's going to disintegrate. And so uh, I, I think, I think, you know, that it's, it's kind of interesting that that thought has, has been out there. When I first interviewed um, for, uh, for a, a, a church position, I interviewed with this church in, in uh, I think it was in Maryland, and it was the craziest interview I've ever heard in my life. Like this guy said, okay, so we have, we have visitation two nights a week. We got Wednesday night church. We got Sunday night church. Uh, we got, you know, a, a men's prayer thing that happens on, on Thursday. And then, you know, we, we make sure that you have family time on Friday. I, I was just like, that's just insane, right? Like that's where we came from. But now most churches are given a day off a week during the week. So an actual work day off because Sunday tends to be so much of a work day. Uh, and so you're getting that. You're going home in the evenings. There's not visitation. It's more relational evangelism. You don't have a Sunday night uh, service. You don't have a Wednesday night service. So you might have like a meeting that you have to go to every once in a while in an evening. And, you know, you need to be in your small group and the whole church needs to be in a small group. So that's, that's not really a job thing, right? That's just part of it. Uh, and, and so, you know, I, I, I think that, um, that, that we're, we're projecting the past onto the current. And so if anything pops up at all, we say, oh, we can't do that, we can't do that, we can't do that. And so I think it's, uh, it's important also to understand busy seasons, right? Like there are times that, that you just have a busy season. There's times where you're planning more Christmas events and that's going to be a little bit busy, right? That's going to happen. That doesn't mean ministry is killing your family, right? There's times where you're going to run a kid's camp. That, that, that doesn't mean ministry is killing your family. It's so important to understand this because when you think about it, what job doesn't have those moments right now? I mean, the accountant does not have a good march, 
right? I mean, he has a good, a good march financially, but stress-wise, he does not have a good march. Uh, you know, you have a, a businessman who has to go on a four-day uh, uh, business trip, and then when he comes back on a Tuesday, he has to be at work on Wednesday. That, that's a super busy, you know, week for him. You know, that's, that's, that's crazy. Um, you know, the, the, the football coach during football season, the, the engineer during plant shutdown and restart, like that's going to be a nightmare for him. Uh, and, and so we, we all see those moments where, you know, the, the, the nurse during, uh, you know, the ER nurse or urgent care nurse during a, a bad flu season. We all see those moments where in any job there's a busy season. But it seems like if it happens in ministry, we automatically assume, oh, you're killing our family. Uh, there's, you know, there's, there, there's this move afoot to kill my family. So I think you got to have those conversations with your family and that everybody's just got to be realistic. If you're doing a good job mani- managing your schedule, your church is doing a good job caring about your family and making sure that you get the proper time off and, and opportunities to connect with your family on a regular basis, those moments should not be a problem. And so I think it's important to understand that. Uh, it's also important to understand that we have a real job. I think sometimes, uh, you know, our families and other people in the church see our job as, well, we're super flexible. Uh, you know, if, if I need anything during the week, I could just call the pastor and he'll come over and do it, you know, or, or that kind of thing. Or your wife, you know, feels like, well, you know, hey, I've got eight errands that need to be run and I'll just ask my husband to do it on a Monday afternoon and uh, instead, of, instead of working, you know, but then I still want him home at night, right? And, and so, uh, you know, I think it's important to, to understand you do have a real job. Yes, it's flexible, uh, but at the same time, uh, I think it's important to understand and treat it uh, that it, it is a real job and you're going to put um, the, the, the work in. And, uh, you know, sometimes families don't see it that way and, uh, and they, they kind of cheat on that a whole lot. And then all of a sudden they're shocked when the church doesn't make it or they're shocked when the church lets their, their uh, you know, their, their spouse go. And, um, you know, all of a sudden it becomes clear that asking him to run all the errands during the day or keep the kids two days a week or do the homeschooling because the wife went back to work. And so then, you know, it's the husband's job then to, the, the, then to pick up the slack because his schedule is more flexible. All of a sudden it's clear that wasn't such a great idea. Uh, and so, yeah, you got to treat it like a real job. If you had two, you know, a family where both, both people were working real jobs, so to speak, um, you would have to make different arrangements for your kids. You understand? what I'm saying. So uh, it's just super important. Like put the time in, work hard while you're there. And then when you're off, be with your family. The uh, seventh thing is this, watch your heart. Even in a small church, uh, as the leader, you can get a lot of attention. And it's easy uh, to make it all about you or to get sucked in when other people are making it all about you. And you really need to resist that. Uh, pride is the biggest issue uh, that can happen. It's, it's, you know, I don't think a lot of people, and just to be honest with you, I don't think a lot of people are well suited to be mega church pastors and handle it well. There are some guys that are killing it and they're handling it very well. For a lot of people, it's, it's too much pressure. It's too much attention. Uh, it, you know, so we got to be careful about those kind of things. If your family feels like that they exist for your reputation, they will not be on board. You'll lose your family over that. Um, also, understand the temptations that come with leading uh, a church. Um, make it a point to never put yourself in a situation where temptation can occur. And uh, don't, don't meet with people of the opposite sex in a private room or, uh, or one-on-one and even in public. And make sure that other staff members are around. Uh, or uh, if it's around the office, make sure your door is open. Uh, just, just you have to really make sure that you are not putting yourself in a, in a situation for temptation. All right, here's the eighth thing. The eighth thing is don't get sucked into the pastor's kid stereotype. 
This is, man, this is important. Uh, I have seen pastor's kids get away with all kinds of things because they can always turn around and say, you're only worried about how I'm acting because you're the pastor and you don't like how it looks for you. So it's an instant guilt trip on the pastor. Then the pastor begins to feel like I can't really say anything. You know, they're going to hold that over my head. I feel bad for them. And so first of all, I will just tell you, I never let people tell pastor's kids jokes around my, around my kids. I literally hunted down a preteen leader one time after a retreat and said, hey, I heard that this happened on the bus, that you made a pastor's kid joke, and then other people started making pastor's kid jokes. And I said, my kid doesn't feel like a pastor's kid. They've never felt like that. They just feel like they're one of the kids. And so I don't want that pressure on them. I don't want them thinking about that. I don't want them to begin to use that as an excuse. And they said, man, I never thought about it. But I, I, I was like, like, I was very serious about that. Uh, and so I also never indicated to my kids that I had any different expectations uh, of them because I was the pastor. Uh, what I told them constantly is we do these things because we love Jesus. And this is what people who love Jesus and follow Jesus do. Uh, and, and, and if you have a, another standard for your kids that doesn't fall into that sentence, if, if, if it's not something that people who follow Jesus do and love Jesus do, then you may, be, you may actually be imposing pastor's kids' uh, expectations on your kids just because uh, they're the pastor's kids. And so you, you, know, you want to be careful about that. One of the things that we always... Uh, you know, pushed in our student groups was that we expected all of our students to be leaders. So that helped with my kids because I expected my kids to be leaders, but they didn't think that I was asking them to be a leader because I was a leader. They thought that I was asking them to be a leader because we ask all students to step up and become leaders. Because as, at our church, we feel like if, if students are becoming leaders, you don't have to worry about what they're following. And so, um, so just, you know, don't allow some weird guilt because of, of what your kids go through as pastor's kids to change how you challenge them or hold them accountable. Never let it become an issue. All right, one more thing. More time with less people. More time less people. Who are those few people that you will text back at seven o'clock at night? Who are, the, who are the few, right? From the very beginning of starting your church, you need to make up your mind. You are going to invest in a few key leaders who will invest in a few key leaders who will invest in a few key, key, key leaders so that you are not stretching yourself thinner and thinner and thinner as the church grows. Uh, and so you can check out our podcast on that. We have a whole podcast on uh, more time with less people uh, and how important that is in the leadership pipeline. Uh, and so it is absolutely essential that you take that philosophy from the start, because if you don't, you will begin to get so stretched thin. Either your church will begin to stink or your family will begin to stink uh, because it'll take so much time out of you to keep your church going well. Uh, if you don't take this philosophy, I'm telling you, it's absolutely essential you start it from the start. Uh, and so if you don't get this concept, you're going to burn yourself out. So that's, I, you know, I hope that you'll take the time to talk about these points with your family. I think, again, those expectations are really important to understand, like, you know, how does a, a regular week of work go? How, you know, how do we like respect, uh, you know, the, the, the work week and the time and treat it like a real job, but then make sure that, that we do have flexibility. Uh, we do have the opportunity to, uh, to take the time with our family that we need to have. What do, what do uh, especially busy times look like? And have these conversations with your team as well, because it's great if your whole church and your whole staff can get on the same page. Um, uh, uh, on this on this kind of issue. And so that's all the time we have for this episode. As always, I hope that if you find this content helpful, you'll like, subscribe, comment, and share. Uh, and uh, I'll see you next time on the Ignite Movements podcast.